You're listening to Women Making Waves. Isn't it great when you meet people who started their own businesses? I love hearing those stories, you know, Susie, mm. of how people have started their own businesses and what's happened and how they got going. And this is the case in this interview. It's Kelly Molson who started a web agency called Rubber Cheese. Isn't that a great name? It's a great name, isn't it? You would never think of calling an agency Rubber Cheese. <laughs> it's so, it just stands out and it clever does. her. She came in and she talked about how she got going and she talked about how surprised she was that there were so few women, I think it was 27%, she said, of UK agency owners were women. Mm. She was very shocked about that. But anyway, I don't want to give too much away, but it was a really interesting story. And I liked it because she was quite young when she started this agency. Mm -hmm. Boy, that is brave. Yeah, 24. 24. I don't know what I was doing at 24. You remember what you were doing at 24? I do remember. what I, That was my favourite year, actually. Oh, was it? <laughs> I didn't start an agency, sadly. I wish <laughs> no. I had. Oh, she sounds good. Anyway, enjoy this one with Kelly Molson talking to, of course, Linda. I was quite surprised to find out that of around four or 500 agencies that were surveyed, only 27% of those agencies in the UK were owned by women. And that really shocked me more than anything. We talk a lot on Women Making Waves about the shortage of women working in technology and in STEM subjects generally. So it's good to hear about people who actively work to get more women into tech. Kelly Molson is Managing Director of web design agency Rubber Cheese and she runs initiatives to support women agency owners such as Mob Happy, a peer-to-peer -peer group which supports and inspires up-and-coming leaders. Kelly, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background and how did you get into tech? Wow. Well, I actually took a more traditional route than, than a tech route. I remember being at school and doing relatively well in my GCSEs and being told that I should do A-level art and A-level English and A-level German. And I thought what job am I going to get if I do them? You know, that I don't know. I don't know what I'm, what am I going to be? And I went off and I found a BTEC National Diploma in Graphic Design. So I went to the local college and I enrolled there and loved it. Absolutely loved it. I've always been very artistic and that for me seemed like the road to go down where I would be employable mm -hmm. about and be artistic at the same time. And I worked in various companies. I worked as a brand designer. I worked as a packaging designer. And then eventually in my last proper job, I worked at an e-commerce company. It was very, very early days of the e-commerce kind of bubble. And I learned how to design for the web. So that was how I got into designing for websites and, and technology. And that was it. I was completely and utterly hooked. Because there's bits of programming involved in that as well. Presumably you're working in HTML and things like that. No. No. <laughs> I'd love packages? to say that. Well, I think that's one of the things that I talk about is that I think a, a lot of women, a lot of young students think that to be in technology, you, you have to be a coder, you have mm. to be a developer. But I manage a team of developers. So where I worked, we always had a designer and a developer working together. And back then they were very separate separate things whereas now if you're a web designer you design and you you build and you work in html or css and javascript etc mm -hmm. but back then it was very separate and that's just how it was for me so no i am in technology i'm just not 
a coda. <laughs> That's all right, though. That, and <laughs> totally what, fine. And what happened then? You decided to set up your own company. I did, yes. I uh, was 24, probably slightly foolish. 24 met... when you started your own company? 24, wow. yes. Uh, yes, like I said, young and slightly foolish. Do you know what? I just think I'd got to the point in my career where I think I'd just made some wrong choices about where I wanted to be. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So essentially, myself and a good friend that I'd met working at the company decided we were going to kind of freelance for a year and see what happened. But we did it under the name of Rubber Cheese. So mm-hmm. two of us went name. out. Thank you. Thank you. It does get a lot of attention. So we went out and we found work and we kind of pulled our resources. And we were really lucky within a couple of, well, I want to say a couple of weeks, really. I sent out an email to all of the connections that I had, which at that point was not very many, you know, nearly 16 years ago. And a friend that I'd recently connected with from school on Friends Reunited. That's how old this is. <laughs> Friends, Friends Reunited. Retro. He got in touch and said, look, I'm working for an architect's firm. We're pitching for some work for Tesco's, but we need a design team to come in and partner up with us. Would you be interested? So we said, yeah, definitely. And long story short, we were very lucky to have kind of a two-year contract with that organisation. And within a couple of months of setting up our own company, be kind of in quite high profile design meetings at Tesco's headquarters and working with them and it was just incredible. That is amazing actually so that was starting from nothing into a job I would imagine that a lot of design companies would really be interested in going after. Yeah I mean I'm not going to lie it wasn't super glamorous work, <laughs> but, but it was brilliant to be involved in such a great organisation and to be in those kind of meetings was a really good learning curve for us. We'd obviously had quite a lot of client you know, liaison at our last in our last roles, but that was really kind of throwing you in at the deep end. And fantastic, you know, two years of that solid contract allowed us to then kind of figure out what we wanted to do and who we worked best with. And the mm-hmm. company just sort of grew organically. So Paul and I did that for about five years. And then we got to the point of working stupid hours and knowing that we needed to hire, but then on the cusp of winning a really big contract. So we took the risk and took on our first team member and then it's yeah it's been 16 years now and we're a team of seven Um, we've got developers designers and work with some incredible clients so we're really really lucky a lot of the work we do is in the visitor attraction world or food and drink so we work with Pernod Ricard we work with their brands like the Glenlivet or Beef Eater Gin Mm -hmm. Um, and we work with organizations like Eureka the National Children's Museum so Clients all over the country, and as, as in Perno, is a, is a global organisation as well, so extremely lucky. But it sounds like you hadn't really thought all that much about it when you started. You started it, but you didn't have a huge plan at the time, did you? Or did you? No, <laughs> no plan. <laughs> but sometimes that's the way to do it. If you th- overthink it, you don't do it because it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, I agree. When we first started up, if I'd have thought this is where we were going to end up, I would have been too scared to actually do it yeah. I mean we did set goals I think quite early on even even within the first year we kind of knew that we wanted to be an agency we knew we wanted a team and we knew we wanted to grow but we did do that very organically and we did it in our own time so it was really manageable and I think that gave us a resilience that that you know we built that resilience over the over time rather so, than rushing into a huge growth plan. Do you have ambitions to become really big to, to employ 50 people or 100? We have growth plans but I I never really wanted to be a 50, 60 organisation agency. I feel like you lose a lot of that personal touch at Mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. So we do have growth plans, but I think we're probably capping at about 15 or 20. 
And at some point, did you notice that there were mainly men that you're employing or did that not really happen to you? Have you had a good mix? Well, interestingly, no. Actually, we were always kind of 80-20 female male. We had two brilliant women designers who worked with us for a number of years. So actually, it's only been recently where that has shifted the other way around. And it's probably... I guess there's a few reasons. I think we do a lot more development work now than we did. Back then we were more traditionally kind of a graphic design agency that did some web. And we've really struggled to hire female developers. And at the end of the day, you've got to take the best people for the job, not defined by their sex. I mean, that would be silly. Absolutely. We hire the best people Mm -hmm. for that role. Absolutely. But we would still love it if more women actually applied for some of the developer roles. And that doesn't seem to happen so much. And there's probably a few different reasons for that. But what I was more interested in over the last few years is how few women agency owners I actually knew. I was quite surprised to find out that of around four or five hundred agencies that were surveyed, only 27% of those agencies in the UK were owned by women. And that really shocked me more than anything. So many women that I've spoken to who have businesses, and we were talking to people on this programme, so many of them have started at the kitchen table. And that is the way sometimes to do it, because there's a big fear. You just do what you're doing. You enjoy what you're doing. And if it grows, it grows. And sometimes, like you, you're almost forced to grow. Yes, we got to the point where we had to hire. I mean, we wanted to, but we but we had to hire. Yeah. We took on bigger clients. The work was getting more and more involved. If I'm honest, we got to the point where I needed to step back from being a designer as well. And that's what I did. We, we brought in a designer who essentially took my design work from me and then I could look at How growing did you feel the about that? company. How did you feel about uh, handing that over to someone else? I felt really resentful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really I resentful. I should say that because I would. It's funny. I didn't feel resentful towards the designer. She was fantastic. She was a much better designer than I ever was. My business partner and I have talked about this quite a lot. But I actually felt resentful of him because he was in a creative director role. So he still got to do what I saw as the real fun bit of the job. And I was suddenly thrown into having to learn about spreadsheets and pipeline and profit and loss and god that was dry (laughs) really dry so so you started up by agencies when you talk about agencies you mean the plethora of agencies don't you not just design agencies yes no not just design agencies um we we talk to all kinds of agencies so um, we're a web development uh, agency we know graphic design agencies we know content marketing agencies digital agencies there's a whole yes a whole plethora as you say mm-hmm. so you started up a kind of network of women agencies yes. people that owned agencies that were women i think i think that's a great idea yeah. but were people a bit suspicious of that because some of them will be your competitors and how open are they when they come along to events and talk about their business Do you know what? Things have changed so drastically over the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, When we first set up in business, you could not get another agency to talk to you for love nor money. It was very, very competitive, highly competitive, especially in localised areas like Cambridge or in Hertfordshire where we were based. And things are so different now. There are some fantastic organisations, one of which is the Agency Collective, which we are members of, which is a London-based organisation. They run events in Edinburgh and Bristol up and down the country but it brings together agency owners and everybody is supportive and open because most of the time you have the same challenges and mm. they're, they're around how to get new business hiring and firing growing your organization mm-hmm. profit and cash flow and if you can help each other with those challenges most agencies are quite niche now as well so you're not 
competing as much as you used to be. You know, people want to use specialists for specialist roles. So it is a lot more open. So I think there wasn't as much suspicion about a network <laughs> as there would have been in the past. But I think really for me, it, it was just that surprise of of finding out about this low percentage of agency owners being women. Yeah. So there's an organisation called The Wow Company. They're a specialist accountancy firm for agency owners. And every year they run a bench press report which surveys agency owners up and down the country. And that's initially how I found out about this 27% and was, and was slightly enraged by it. But then, <laughs> but then I took it upon myself and I thought, well, who do you know in your network that's another agency owner, a women agency owner? And I thought, well, I probably know about three or four. So if I don't know them, why should anybody else? And, yeah. and, and that's ridiculous. And how did you get that off the ground then? Did you publicise it through social media or how did you do it? Well, it started initially with an interview series that I ran. So I set out to speak to other women agency owners and find out what they thought about the 27% and what their startup story had been, why they set up their agency, how they did it. I think I spoke to and interviewed around 35 to 40 women on a blog, kellymolson.co.uk, and all of their stories and all of the, the information I got from them was so inspiring. A lot of women had set up their agencies when they'd been on maternity leave or they'd been made redundant. And there was a real kind of yeah. sense of spirit about this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. And then over time, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring these women together and that actually they could support not only each other, but actually then inspire other women that would like to take that step into running an agency. There's a lot of freelancers out there that are doing their thing, but they don't know how to do the next step if they want to employ someone or they want to start to grow. So that was why Mob Happy was set up. And what form do your meetings take? Are they actual virtual meetings or do you all get together in the one spot? No, physical meetings. The physical meetings. Yes. So initially I ran uh, mastermind groups. So we would get six to eight women together and each of the women would be able to bring something that they needed support with in, at, at that point. It might be an issue or a challenge they had. It might be they were looking to, I don't know, find a new project management system. What, you know, what could we mm-hmm. share about the ones that we use? And they've been brilliant. They're extremely supportive. I have learned an immense amount from the agency owners that have come along, whether they've been in business for 10 years or one year mm-hmm. and vice versa. And that's been brilliant. They've run in London for a while and actually they now just continue to run in Cambridge because I took a little bit too much on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I also then started to get a lot of questions and requests from freelancers to say, we don't know how to do this. You know, we we want to grow an agency, but we don't know where to find out how to do that. And there wasn't as much support for them. There's lots of brilliant freelancer communities out there but that thing seemed to be missing. So I set up the Mob Happy Meetup, which is a free meetup, meets uh, four times a year at the brilliant Bradfield Centre. And I bring together a panel every time of different agency owners and we talk about different topics. So we talk about how to take on your first team member, you know, how to hire, what do you have to think about? We talk about finding bigger business, you know, should you look at niching? The last one that we ran was talking around pricing, you know, how do you price yourself effectively? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, Yeah. that's what I do. That sounds really, really good. And I'll bet you the networking that these people do when they're there as well, when they've got downtime, when you're not presenting and they're just sitting chatting with each other, that's probably invaluable as well. It really is. I mean, I've made 
brilliant contacts at the events, um, people that we now collaborate with and work with. So, yeah, for finding suppliers and finding people that you can partner with, or maybe you might even come along and find your next business partner. Who knows? Yes. No, absolutely true. Do you have any plans to expand this? Or are you, you don't have time, do you? You should really be focusing on your business. <laughs> I take a lot on. <laughs> well, I think, so I was running them um, every month, but one in London and one in Cambridge. And actually, earlier this year, I took the decision to, to close down the London one because I have my own organisation to run as well. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was being a little bit overstretched. I would love to see more Pappy expand into other places. If anyone would love to run an event, that would be a brilliant thing. But for now, I'm quite happy focusing and keeping them local in Cambridge. And would that just be agencies? Or can you see yourself branching out and and maybe having Mob Happy for women in IT, Mob Happy for, you know, other types of groups? Maybe. I have to say I haven't thought too much about the expansion just because the agency world is what I know and it's what I know best and it's where I feel I can deliver the most value but again I'd be really open to talking to Mm. people if they would be interested in taking that on and expanding it into different sectors because I think the mastermind platform can work brilliantly for that. So let's hope that we can encourage some more women to be agency owners and into tech in general as well. I hope so well one of the things that we're actually doing next week is um Mob Happy events, the masterminds, they all run as not-for-profit. So all of the profits are invested back into initiatives that help to educate young women and students into how they could get into these kind of careers. And, and like we talked earlier about technology and me not being a coder, I think there are a lot of people out there that assume that you need to be very mm. technical to yes. be a woman in tech, which is not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. So next week, collaborating with Form the Future, we're actually um, running an enterprise day in a primary school where a number of the women that come along to the Mob Happy events are coming in and we're going to see what the students can do and come up with ideas as to how we can inspire them a bit more to come into these topics. So I'm really looking forward to running that. Oh, that sounds like an excellent idea. I love that idea. Well done in what you're doing because it sounds amazing. I think pulling people together is always such a great, great thing. Kelly Molson, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And that was Kelly Molson talking to Linda Ness.